Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Ellen Becker brings you this show because we understand the importance of giving back. It's not about what we get in this world, it's about what we give. We want to highlight the great people that are giving back and doing great things in our community. You know, you turn on the news or you read the paper or you tune into social media, you're bombarded with negativity, especially lately, unfortunately. I've said before that if you are intentional about looking for the good, you will find it. And that's what we want to focus on. Today's show is just like all the other shows we do where we highlight people who use their passion to make an impact in some way. So you may want to park yourself in a comfy spot. Grab a pen and a notepad in case you want to jot down some notes because there's some really great stuff that we're going to share today. So there I was, parked on the side of the road on Pilgrim Parkway by Brookfield Square. My window was down and I was calling out, are you okay? Are you hurt, baby? Where's your mama? There was a young deer in the middle of the road struggling to get up. She looked fine. There was no blood anywhere. Uh, She must have been hit in the backside because she couldn't get up. Um, But when I was talking to her, she was calm, and she was just looking around, looking at me. Her ears were flickering. But when I attempted to get closer or a car would go by, she would struggle and try to get up. It was heartbreaking because cars were going by. This is just a two-lane road. Cars were going by on either side, slowing down to look at what was going on. But then they would continue driving. It drove me crazy. I mean, again, it was just heartbreaking. I didn't know what else to do. So I called 911, and I said, this isn't an emergency, but we'll send somebody out there. So they send a policeman out there. The policeman says to me, thank you for calling us. You can leave now, and we'll take care of it. In that situation, I would like to think that the deer was rehabilitated and released, but I don't know. You know, what do you do if you find an animal that's been hurt? Who do you call? Wildlife and Needs Center and fellow mortals represent two of the largest wildlife rehabilitation centers in Wisconsin. Though they operate differently, their purpose is the same, and between the two facilities, over 100,000 injured and orphaned wild animals have received care to date. That's so awesome. My first guest today is Kim Bannock from Wildlife and Needs Center, which serves Waukesha and the surrounding community. In addition, we have a young entrepreneur here from Lake Country who introduced us to Wildlife and Need. Bernou Vermeulen is 13 years old, and he started a coffee bean company called Roast More, and he donates a portion of his profits to Wildlife and Need. Way to go, Bernou. Way to find a way to give back. So welcome to both of you, and thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. This is very, very exciting. We love to share our story and get get our name out there so that people know what to do and they don't have that fear of not knowing what to do when they find an injured, orphan, or sick animal. Like I did, right? Like you, right. Yeah, that yeah. happens all the time, and we are here to help. Um, not only just, it's Waukesha County, southeastern Wisconsin. We work um, really to try to help all the animals that we can. Um, we're unique in that we can help uh, 140 species. Okay. Well, we understand that you, uh, you've you got a lot of ways, different ways that you that you help, and we're going to get into that because I think that's, that's important information that people need to know. Um, actually, though, Kim, we can thank Bernou for bringing wildlife and need to our attention because, quite honestly, I didn't even know you guys existed. Otherwise, I would have called you when I was trying to help this poor little deer on Pilgrim Parkway, right? So give us a little history lesson first. 
let's um, let's first get to understand how Wildlife and Needs Center got started and how long they've been around. So the Wildlife and Needs Center initially opened on January 1, 1994. And it was in a small house in Waukesha. They eventually transitioned to a farmhouse two years later. And then in 2011, we moved into a 6,000-square-foot facility mm. built completely for patients and mine that has indoor aquatic aviaries, a flight enclosure, mammal nurseries, just everything to take care of all the animals that come into the Wildlife Needs Center. And where is it exactly? It is in Oconomowoc. So it's right off of uh, Waterville Road and Highway 18. Okay. And then how did you specifically get involved? So that's a good question. Um, my family, we've always been animal lovers, as are my children. All three of my children have volunteered at the Wildlife and Needs Center, and two of them were baby bird feeders. So I volunteered with my son at the, when he was 12, because you have to come in with an adult, and I volunteered with him as a baby bird feeder, and I stayed on in animal care after that and eventually joined the board of directors. It got uh, to you, didn't it? Did. It? <laughs> it did. I was so passionate about what they did, um, served as board president, and I'm now serving as executive director. Uh, what we do to help the animals, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And we um, talk a lot about using your passion to make a difference. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you had a passion for animals, as do I. Yeah. Um, and then you use that passion to find a way to, to give back and to help out. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Bernou, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Bernou. I'm 13, and I started Roastmore when I was 12. And we came to Ellen Becker Investments to give our coffee to them. And we told them that we were giving a part of our profits to Wildlife and Needs Center. And they're like, wow, that's so cool. And here we are with the Wildlife and Needs Center at the radio. Yes, at the studio here. And mm -hmm. what a great example you are, Bernou. I have to tell you. Okay, so here's Bernou Vermeulen. He's only 13 years old. He started this company uh, because his parents thought it was so important to give back and not just to take. And so so why did you choose Wildlife and Need, Bernou, to donate to? Me and my dad were looking up places and non-for-profits to donate to, and we decided to do Drug-Free Kids, and to donate to the Marines, and we found Wildlife and Needs Center, and we're like, I love animals, so why not them? And we just stuck with it. That's wonderful. So you are actually donating to three different organizations, which is wonderful. Wildlife and Need is just one of them. So the other ones are? The Semper Fi Fund for the Marines, and... Drug-free kids, yes. Wow, that's that's awesome. So all you kids out there, you'll know that one person can make a difference, right, Bernou? I yeah, mean, and I decided mm -hmm. to. Yes. <laughs> oh, you decided which ones, yes, because yes. you're, the, you're the head of your company, right? So you're, you're the one that decided who you wanted to donate to. So that's wonderful. Um, and I'm sure, Kim, you are thankful that, that he told us about you because that's how we decided to welcome you and fellow mortals as our it's guests wonderful. today. It's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful that the children want to help give back. Um, it happens other other children at the Wildlife Needs Center who have their birthday parties. Instead of having presents given to them, they take items off of our wish list and put that on their birthday party wish list. Oh, that's and wonderful. other children will donate that way. Yeah, because so. you have a website that mm -hmm. shows what is needed. 
Yes. So um, I've heard of kids doing that before, which is so wonderful, isn't it? That it young is. kids understand the need. It is. And they say, I don't want any mm-hmm. gifts. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't need anything. Most kids don't, right? Nope. nope. <laughs> and we do have a wish list, so we, we need that as well as funding and so, yeah, being yeah. able to give back is, is really, it's, it's wonderful to see. Yeah, and it starts in. from uh, very young, as, as we hear from Bernou. So mm-hmm. you may be curious to know what kinds of animals the Wildlife and Needs Center takes in and what the process is. So we'll talk about that in the next segment. Stay where you are, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Kim Bannock from Wildlife and Needs Center and Bernou Vermeulen, our young entrepreneur who understands the importance of giving back by supporting wildlife in need. So, Kim, let's say someone finds an injured bunny or a deer or a bird Um, Give us an idea of how the process works. So we have a help desk that is uh, staffed by our volunteers and our staff. It's open seven days a week. And what we really ask people to do is to try to call us first. Um, And we answer every phone call. We will call you back. We give advice as what to do, what not to do. Certain animals may not be technically an orphan. You may be able to re-nest that animal right back into their nest or up into the baby bird's nest. There's certain things you can do. We can also coach you if there is something really wrong with the animal, if it's bleeding, if there's, you know, it's not able to walk. We can So if I was if I knew about your organization, the day that I was sitting on the side of Pilgrim Parkway watching this poor young deer struggle, I would have called you and you would have then what? Talked with me over the phone. Yes. Mm-hmm. We would have talked with you over the phone. Did you, would and you send somebody out to? We do rely on the public to bring animals to us. Okay. There are certain situations that we will go out with certain species, um, certain situations, you know, if it's going to be a danger to either the animal or uh, the person. You know, we want to avoid that, but we really do rely on the public. Most animals, if you're able to capture them, there is something seriously wrong with them. They're pretty much near death. So they're very, very scared of you. We ask people that um, you put them in a a quiet box, close the lid, you bring them, put them in the car, turn the radio off, do not talk. Your voice sounds like a growl. Your eyes look like you're a big, scary gorilla that's going to eat the animal. So the animals are very, very scared of us. They don't don't want us talking. We kind of have a a no-talk, no-peak policy at the Wildlife and Needs Center. So I was wrong when I was talking to this deer, even though he seemed to be calm. calm He just looked at me, and he wasn't struggling to get up, but once... I walked closer mm-hmm. to him, that's when he would struggle. Yeah, that's They kind of go into uh, a place where they are afraid and they're not oh, okay. going to respond. Okay. Um, I mean, their, their instincts is the fight or flight. They want to f- get away. But if they can't, then, you know, certain species do react differently. But um, Okay, so now they come, let's say the, uh, the individual that calls you, mm-hmm. let's just use myself an, as an example, had I called you you would have I don't know how I would have gotten a deer in my car and brought it over there but let's just say for sake of example I did then what well once it comes to the wildlife and needs center um, we basically admit it to our hospital 
Uh, it's just like a hospital for humans, and everything that's done for humans in a hospital is going to be done for our wild patients. So they're all going to come in. They're going to get a chart. They're going to get an admission. They're going to get basically a bed, which may be a specialized enclosure that could be have a nice big pool, a flight enclosure. Um, a lot of animals are basically placed on what we, you know, almost like a forced bed rest, and that's because they do have injuries or they are orphans. They, they need to be in an incubator. So, you know, we're going to keep them quiet so, so that they have time to heal. So do you have people that are trained in these areas so that they, because yes. not everybody can administer no. medicine, I would imagine. No, uh-uh. So our, all of our staff are experts in this field, and they all have special training. You all have to be licensed. We also have to have special permitting to do this, so not anybody in their you know, right mind can do this if they want to help. I mean, that's great. We just encourage people to go take the classes to get the proper permitting. Uh, we do need more wildlife rehabilitators out there. But at the Wildlife and Need Center, we do have trained staff that are able to care for, you know, you know, a lot of different species. So let's say somebody listening has a heart for animals, and they, they know that you exist now. They can call you and say, I want to help in some way. So give us some examples of how, you know, I imagine you use vo- uh, volunteers to help with the workload. So what are some different ways that somebody who, who doesn't have any training, they're not, um, uh, they just have a heart to help and they want to help in some way. You had talked about in your story before that you were feeding birds. You know, yes. maybe there's somebody that can come in and do that. Mm-hmm. Help us to understand some of the different ways people can actually come in and help. So we're a small staff. We have about 7.5 FTE, and we have over 200 year-round volunteers. So our volunteers, we hold trainings year-round, and our baby bird feeding trainings are more in the spring uh, because our baby bird feeding season is all summer long. And um, the trainings last for an hour and a half, and then after that you come in and you're paired with someone when it's animal care, you're paired with someone for four separate times, and then you basically are, you know, you still work with other people as you um, do your shift, and you volunteer for one shift a week, and it's just for four hours. Our baby bird feeders are ages 12 and up. Ages 12 and 14 have to come in with an adult, and again, they do the same training, and they um, volunteer for one shift a week. Again, it's for four hours. We have three shifts in the summer. And those baby bird feeders are amazing because we get hundreds and hundreds of orphan songbirds. And when they start out when they're young, they have to be fed every 30 minutes. Oh, my So goodness. imagine like if you have hundreds of orphan songbirds in there, uh, there's, you need a lot of people to get this done. So we're really lucky to be supported by our amazing volunteer group. And we also do um, have internships through our, you know, and we have, you know, college-age students or, you know, they may have graduated and they're just trying to get experience in this wildlife field. And we would not be able to function without our interns or our volunteers. They're um, truly, uh, truly, truly amazing. Um, On a yearly basis, our volunteers donate 25,000 hours a year. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's That's wonderful, though. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious, what is your most unusual animal that you've ever had in the center? Well, <laughs> I <laughs> guess question, right? that's a really good question. So there's there's different ends of the spectrum you could look at. For me, one of the first ones was um, I never knew that we had in Wisconsin 
and was it's a least weasel. They're very, very a, small. A what? A least weasel. Least weasel. Yes. Okay. So it came in weighing, I want to say, about three three grams. Not very big, very tiny, kind of the size of a small orphan white-footed mouse. And, you know, there are uh, smallest living carnivore. They're, if we they were, you know, the size of a ferret, we would be in big trouble because mm. these animals are ferocious. And um, so he, that was an adorable animal that I saw. Um, you know, other interesting patients could be pelicans. Mm. Um, we've had pelicans that have come to us um, and have not been able to be released. One, we flew to Sarasota and they kept it for a while while it grew in its blood feathers at another wildlife rehab center. Another one that was non-releasable due to uh, injuries, we flew to a zoo in um, Texas, and it is now part of their educational team um, giving shows. Mm, so it's I don't a really think I've ever seen a pelican in Wisconsin. <laughs> yes, there's a lot in Horicon Marsh. Really? They do migrate there, yes. Okay. And the, the ones that we did get in, it was after the group had already migrated south, but those two, um, these animals, different times, could not come in and fly. And I would imagine, uh, I think about in our own yard, we live on a wooded lot and we have a lot of different types of animals, a lot of raccoons. What uh, animal have you seen the most of? Cottontail bunnies are our biggest oh, admissions. Okay, they I thought you would say largest. dogs because there's no, so many. I guess now well, having experienced that myself, yeah. I see a website that there's there are so many dogs and cats that go missing, um, and that are hit on the side of the road or mm-hmm. you know, hopefully not injured too badly that yeah. you can rehabilitate them and, and release so them. So we but. only deal with wildlife. We do not deal with companion animals. We're oh, really okay. lucky to have Elmbrook Humane Society and Haws. They're able to help with our companion animals. Oh, good um, to know. So, so this is just wildlife. Oh, yes, we only take in... Um, 140 different species of Wisconsin wildlife. Okay. And yeah. what did you say was the most common? The most uh, common bunny. is cottontail, cottontail Cot- bunnies. Okay. That's one of our most common species. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah, so, What about yeah. milestones? I'm curious. What are some of the uh, big milestones that Wildlife and Needs Center has experienced? So that's a great question. Uh, we were really excited to celebrate our 25th anniversary last year in 2019. It's pretty humbling to think back in 1993, our opening checking balance was only $30. By the end of the year, it was a little over 7000 That opened uh, the center January 1st. And last year we celebrated our 25th anniversary, so that's really congratulations. That was very exciting. Yeah. Thank you. That's very exciting. Thank yeah. you, Pernu. Uh, you know, it's a lot of a lot of passion goes into this organization. Whether it's our board of directors, our staff, our volunteers, our donors, our members, we are so very very lucky. Our Facebook followers, um, every every person makes an impact at the Wildlife and Needs Center. Well, and talking about that, though, help us, um, you know, share share with us then how people of Waukesha County can support you in your efforts. You know, you talked about a number of different things, but let's say, again, talking about time, talents, resources, different ways that people can reach out and, and help you and support you. Um, what Maybe what what's your greatest need? So our greatest need is always funding. So we, as we mentioned before, we are a not-for-profit. Um, we do not receive any government funding. So the only way we're able to provide this free medical care to the wildlife that need it 
is uh, based on our fundraising efforts. So the only way we can have our hospital open and also provide our wildlife education program with our 14 educational ambassadors is through fundraising. So we are every day fundraising and working to keep our doors open and meet the growing need because the need for wildlife education has grown. We have a wonderful mobile education program that goes anywhere from Dane County to Milwaukee County and everywhere in between. Oh, we have, talk a little bit more about that. That's, so that's we have um, mammal ambassadors, we have a skunk, and we also have a uh, Virginia opossum. We have raptors, we have snakes, we have turtles, and we go delivering programs all ages from, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere from ages two all the way on up. I mean, there are, of course, our babies that, that are sometimes there. Yeah, so um, you're going into the schools. Going into schools. We go oh. everywhere. School, okay. I want to say all ages, all the way up into nursing home, retirement centers. Oh, wonderful. So, and, and media presentations. So That's great. Wow. Well, if there's people out there listening and they want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? So the best way to do that would be go to our website, helpingwildlife.org. Again, that's helpingwildlife.org. And on there has a whole host of information, um, good questions for FAQs, what to do when you find an injured wildlife that you cannot reach us. Our website gets hits from all over the world, really showing the need for people wanting to know what to do when you find an animal. It blows my mind when I see this, that there's places and countries that I can't even pronounce the name and we are getting hits from those countries that mm-hmm. people want to people want to be there they want to help the animals they want to know what to do yeah. um, but it can't just be anybody you really need to go to a wildlife rehabilitator okay and uh, uh, if, if you just have questions they can reach out to you questions? do you have an email yes. that people can reach out to you yes it's at contact at helpingwildlife.org contact at helpingwildlife.org that's our general one that we like people to go to okay. um, we also do have on our website there is a link to donate and we encourage people to use that you can also become a member Uh, We also have a wonderful Facebook that shares daily stories of the animals that are in our care, their progress. Uh, It also shares our wildlife education programming. Yeah, that's a great place to go. Yeah, yeah. So if you're Mm -hmm. just curious about some of the things that they do and what to do in a particular situation, you need to go to the to the Facebook uh, page and check that out. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much, Kim Bannock from Wildlife in Need Center and Bernou Vermeulen, our young entrepreneur. Thank you for introducing us to Wildlife in Need. And thank you both for being here today. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. You're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. For those of you that live in one of the state line communities like Racine, Kenosha, Walworth, or Rock counties, stay tuned to find out who you can call to help an animal in need. We'll be right back after a commercial break. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest is Yvonne Wallace-Blaine from Fellow Mortals, uh, located in Lake Geneva. Thank you for joining the conversation today, Yvonne. Thank you very much for inviting me. You co-founded Fellow Mortals with your husband, Steve Blaine, in 1985. And your mission statement is based on the belief that encouraging compassion in humans towards all life brings out the finest aspects of our humanity. I would 
wholeheartedly agree with that. Do you have a particular experience that made you think that we as a community are sorely lacking in this area of compassion for animals? Well, it was really my experience with, um, I was the law office manager and probate paralegal and also going to school for a degree in English. And for some extra money, my husband and I co-managed a mobile home park and I was responsible for the mowing. So when I was mowing one day, I ran over a nest of baby bunnies and I was horrified because I didn't know what to do. They were screaming and I had ruined their home. Mm. And so I brought them into the house and I started looking for help. We were located in rural Walworth County, Wisconsin, and I called the large centers that were around at the time. And the information I got from the centers, from veterinarians, was, oh, let nature take its course. Well, this wasn't natural. Oh, yeah. I had done this. And the other information I was given is they will die anyway if you try. Well, I didn't think that that was okay, and my husband didn't think it was all right either. And he said, we're going to work with these bunnies. We're going to try to help them. And I didn't think that just because they were quote unquote common that they should be disregarded as right. life. Yeah. So we did work with them. We ended up releasing all of them. Oh yay, they all yep, survived. They all survived. Oh, that's wonderful. And um good ending to that. And story. of course I told everybody about them and so we ended up having people bring us little rabbits when they had similar situations. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that I realized that what we were doing was illegal. We got a oh, visit. Oh, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because you actually have to be licensed to work with wildlife. Oh, it doesn't oh, matter okay. if it's a cottontail rabbit or a robin or a bald eagle or a deer. You have to have training. And it makes sense when you think about it because we didn't know what we were doing. Sure. And we did the best we could and we were lucky. And I think in retrospect, the reason they survived is they were older. And so when we found out that we needed to do it legally, we still wanted to do it. And we went through the process. And at the time, that was working with your conservation warden. And they would inspect you and make sure that you had a veterinarian to work with. And so that one nest of rabbits led to more and more and more. And And that's how your nonprofit started? Yeah. Well, eventually, uh, we decided to make a decision. I decided I wasn't going to go on to school, on to law school. And I stayed at my um, job until 1991. And that's when I quit to become a full-time rehabilitator. Wow. Wow. So, So your purpose then is to provide that compassionate care to all kinds of animals, right? That's Over right. And above the bunnies. That's right. Yeah. And and we decided that we would take care of what was needed. So it started with bunnies, and then I eventually met a rehabilitator in the area, very wonderful woman who focused on raccoons. And she was very thrilled to know that here were two people that wanted to help her and could help with some of the animals she didn't work with. Okay. And so from there, we started taking care of squirrels, and then we took care of waterfowl. We did not take care of songbirds until after I quit my job because they have to be fed every 15 to 20 minutes. That's what Kim was saying in the previous segment. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely yeah. not something you can do, you know, part-time. But we also wanted to make sure that the care that they were given was still that individual care that we had been able to give the bunnies in the beginning. And that is why we started working with interns. So since 1992, we've had an intern program where we have college students come from across the United States, and now they come from 
different places in the world as well. And they immerse themselves in the experience, and they learn what it's like to be a home care rehabilitator. And as fellow mortals grew, we knew we didn't want to lose that um, focus on the animal care, and we didn't want to lose the oversight. And so what we did is built a hospital so that we could bring in more people that were full-time, like me. And so we're a group of women who take care of the wildlife, and there are some men, and my husband... um, did a lot of wildlife care in the beginning. Now he builds our facilities, designs our facilities, that type of thing. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Wow. Well, fellow mortals and wildlife and needs center share the same purpose then, but they Correct. operate differently. That's right. H- how so? Well, I, I like to use, I guess I would say, the analogy of a family unit that works well for – we have all different – families look different, and – but that doesn't mean that one is better than another. It just means that we operate differently. So Fellow Mortals does not work with volunteers, um, except that we rely heavily on volunteers for things that don't have to do with animal care. So, for example, we have volunteer receptionists that are incredibly important to making the people who bring us animals feel comfortable, giving them information about the animal they found, um, sometimes helping them if there's been a loss or they're worried. Mm-hmm. Um, we have volunteers that help with releases and building and fundraising, but the animal care at Fellow Mortals is all provided by licensed wildlife rehabilitators. And then in the summer months, our student college interns come in, and they work with us alongside staff. So the interns are very important, and they get about 750 hours of experience over a three-month period. What about some unusual stories? You know, the, the uh, give us an idea of maybe some unusual things that you may have encountered at Fellow Mortals. Well, we've been around for a while, so we actually had the first pelican that was injured in the state, and that was 1995. They were very unusual at that time, and so there was a news crew that followed the pelican, which we named Stinky, um, <laughs> all, the, obvious yes, reasons, right? all the way down to Memphis and then to Florida, because that was a big deal then. Now, you know, pelicans are pretty widespread. Um, we had our first eagle in the year 2000, um, Liberty, and they weren't as widespread in our area at that time, but we released her back over Yerkes Observatory. We have um, right now a northern shrike, which is known as a butcher bird. They're Hmm. very um, cool. We've only seen two in the 35 years that we've been operating, and they're a predatory songbird. So they're about the size of a robin. Their feet are really weak, but they have a strong bill, and they will take small mammals like small mice and also songbirds. And what they don't eat, they save for later on a barbed wire fence or a thorn bush. So they're very – there's always something – yeah, always something new. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. You had experienced um, a situation with uh, lead poisoning uh, relative to to geese you were sharing with me earlier. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was really a defining moment for the organization. We had, I had just quit my job. It was 1991, the winter of 91-92. And we got a call about a sick goose on Lake Geneva. We had the woman bring it in. It was lethargic. It had a horrible high-pitched honk. Um, we got another call about a goose in the area, and then another. And, you know, that's not going to be a coincidence. It ended up that there were hundreds of geese dying on the ice on Lake Geneva. Now, this is my husband and myself in our home um, with very little caging and um, no experience with this. So after 
we sent the bird first to the um, National Wildlife Health Laboratory to make sure we weren't dealing with a contagious disease. We found it was lead poisoning. Then we had a decision to make. Were we going to do something about it? Could we do something about it? And going back to every life being important, we decided, yes, we're going to go get everyone that we can off the ice. It's also was our first um, kind of experience working with the rest of the rehabilitation community because we had rehabilitators come in from across southeastern Wisconsin, thanks to our wardens at the DNR and Fish and Wildlife Service, who came in and helped with that initial care. We were lavaging the lead out of the geese, which is basically like stomach pumping, okay. and then providing um, the the calcium EDTA, which is a chelating agent, to remove the lead from the the blood and the bone. And we needed help. And so it was really, it was a bad experience, but it was a learning experience. And we ended up making a difference. The uh, The site where the lead was from was a former skeet range. Mm. And it was the first uh, Superfund effort that cleaned up a site as a result of non-human life. 28,000 ton of contaminated soil and lead was taken out. And the um, Fish and Wildlife Service, we collected evidence throughout this whole procedure, and so they actually were able to clean the site, and it saved thousands and thousands of animals Mm. in that time since. such wonderful, wonderful work and wonderful things. That's that's amazing and wonderful. And you've got a lot of professionals who are trained to do what they need to do, right? (laughs) Um, I had a litter or a kindle, I think it's called, of bunnies in my front yard, and I put a plastic laundry basket over it so the blackbirds looming overhead and my dog wouldn't get to them. And the next morning, the basket was overturned and the babies were gone, and I hate to think of what happened to them. You know, I choose to believe that mama moved them. And um, and then there was the mama duck with her five babies who had worked their way across I-94 on-ramp and were stuck between the cement median and cars whizzing by. And I called Highway Patrol because I didn't know who else to call, and they said someone would come out. Never know if anybody came out to help them. Um, there was another situation with another fawn, like I shared in the first segment, um, the, the fawn on uh, Brookfield Square. But this one was a baby fawn snuggled in the corner of a soccer net by the park by us. And when I got closer to see if it was injured or abandoned, it got scared and ran off. But would it have been better if I would just have left it alone? How do you know? There's a lot of well-intentioned people who just don't know what to do. So stay tuned to hear from Yvonne about how Fellow Mortals educates the public on how to handle different situations like these. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm sitting here talking with Yvonne Wallace-Blaine from Fellow Mortals, which is located in Lake Geneva. So, Yvonne, you've got quite the resume. You are licensed by the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. You're the past president of the Wisconsin Wildlife Rehabilitators Association. You've served six years on the Wildlife Rehab Advisory Council. You've written uh, a number of papers and presented them uh, for both the National and International Wildlife Rehab Association and published in their journals, Um, and so much more. I mean, that's not all. Uh, how do you take all that knowledge that you have and share it with others? Talk. <laughs> Talk and write. And 
So do I do things like this. Do right? things like this. Yeah, I do all the social media. I write the newsletter. Do our our grant writing, such as it is. Um, but really, it's talking one person at a time every single day and educating them about what to do with their situation. So even though every animal call on the surface might seem the same because someone's found a wild animal, but they're all different. So can I talk about a couple of things that sure. you brought up? Yeah, absolutely. So the cottontail rabbit, probably the most common animal to come into any rehabilitator for care. And, and we often tell people that they can use a basket to cover the nest to keep those babies safe, but only during the day. Okay. Because mom needs to get to them to feed at night, and she only feeds twice during the evening hours, so about dusk and then about dawn. But the beautiful thing is that you can protect the nest from crows and hawks and even kids that are playing mm-hmm. by covering it with a basket the rest of the time. If you've got big dogs, this is often the way we tell people to keep the babies safe and then to use a big rock to weight that nest okay. down. Mother rabbits, unfortunately, don't move their babies. So that would make life so much easier for everybody because if there was a situation where there was a rabbit nest in a dog kennel, for example, you could say to move it, but even a couple feet, she won't come back. So we have to work around her natural instincts. Then um, just touching a little bit on the ducks, wildlife rehabilitators like Wildlife in Need and, and fellow mortals and other places even though, for example, we have a staff that works with the animals and Wildlife in Need has people that works with the animals, we don't have a large group of people to go out and rescue. We really, really depend on the public to stay put. So what we're going to ask people to do is if you find an animal in a dangerous place, don't put yourself in, in danger, but you need to sit there and make a call and wait mm. so that somebody can tell you what to do or put you in touch with somebody else who can come and help. Um It's not that rehabilitators don't care. We care very much. And when we get a call about something that's reported to us, it breaks our heart, especially when we know there's no way we can leave the animals we have. Um, So just be patient with your rehabilitator because these people, even if they get paid anything at all, they're donating at least 50% of their time. Mm -hmm. And um, think about if you had a full-time job and then you also were donating any free time you had, you want people at least to be kind to you and understanding about your limitations. Yeah, um, and I understand mm-hmm. that also, uh, maybe not oftentimes, but sometimes the animal is not hurt or abandoned, that mama is just around the corner or off trying to find food and that the best thing to do, like that little fawn in the soccer net that I said, is to just leave it alone. And that's that's absolutely right. But we always tell people the only reason we exist is because people care and are compassionate and they want to know that they're doing the right thing and they want to be able to go to sleep at night knowing that that baby's safe. Right. So with fawns, um, we get a lot of calls about fawns that do not need help at all. But there are a few things to know about them. Until they're about two weeks old, they can't follow mom. They're too, they're too weak. And so mom's going to park them, as we say, on a porch, um, sometimes by the side of the road, Sometimes it's going to be in the middle of your yard. 
but they are told by their mother somehow to stay put and not to move. And so if they're approached by people or a dog or something, they're going to tuck their little head. They're not going to do anything but move their ears and maybe move their eyes. That does not mean that they're orphaned. You're not going to see mom with the baby for the first couple weeks. She is keeping them safe by staying away. I mean, think about it. She's a big animal. Mm. If a dog sees her, they're going to chase her. But the babies don't have any body scent. They have no scent that can be picked up. A dog will walk right by them. A coyote will walk right by them. But if a person lays hands, we lay our human scent. Mm -hmm. So that's why we tell people, appreciate and observe from a distance. Because if you approach, even if you keep walking back and forth and telling people about this little animal, whether it's a nest of rabbits or it's a fawn um, or it's a little bird, you're actually putting them in jeopardy. But we know that people don't know all these things, and we love to educate. We love to talk to you. Um, we have hap- seminars at your location. We that? don't. I wish okay. we 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 or are do really you travel? Uh, yeah. We do programs elsewhere. We're a dedicated wildlife hospital, so that means that we're limiting the um, kind of everything that happens around those animals. We want to keep the adults stress free, okay? Um, because they normally wouldn't be around humans. We want to keep the babies from becoming habituated. So we do have a small area at our hospital where when people come in, we have a video that's playing, and we can do a little education on site for small groups. But we do go out, and that's what we're doing in the winter months is we go to schools, we go to um, living, assisted living centers, we go to 4-H groups, and um, so they can just call or you know look up fellow mortals if they're interested in something like that. Okay. Well, walk us quickly through the process. Let's say somebody calls you and says... I don't know, something small. Uh, we have a raccoon that is hanging around our yard and he appears to be injured. What what happens then? Well, that's a, actually a really good question because we don't work with raccoon. So the first oh, okay. thing that happens is that somebody places a call, you're always going to get our answering machine. So fellow mortals, uh, money is tight for all nonprofits. Our money is put into our staff that's taking care of the animals. So we rely on an answering machine. If you leave a message, we will get back to you, and we're going to take time with you when we do. So you leave a message, you wait for a call back. In that case, we tell you we aren't equipped to work with raccoon. Fellow Mortals works with any species of bird, from a house sparrow to a bald eagle, um, and we work with any predatory, uh, I'm sorry, any non-predatory mammal. So that would be anything from a cottontail rabbit to beaver to fawn. So we would refer you to someone who does work with raccoon. Um, that might be wildlife in need if you're in wildlife in needs area. Otherwise, it might be to the Department of Natural Resources. Okay. If it's not a raccoon and it's animal we work with, then first we're going to get information from you about what the situation is. We want to understand what you're seeing and why you're concerned. If, they, if we feel like it might be a situation where the mom is there, say it's an orphan, then we often use a smartphone and get pictures and videos. It's great because that can give us an eye on the situation even if mm-hmm. we can't get out. And then we're going to get back to you, either text you with information or something, but we're going to be working with you until we have an answer. Sometimes if we have a situation with, for example, a baby bird that's out of the nest and on the ground and it's a fledgling, that's a natural part of the process. Um but we're never going to say, let nature take its course. Okay. Never. Yeah. What we're yeah. going to say is we want to work with you, and when we feel comfortable that what you're seeing is correct, we're going to say, 
let's let mom do that. And if not, we're going to have you bring the animal to us. Well, thank goodness that you are there. You know, the fellow mortals and Wildlife and Need Center are there to help those of us that have a heart to help, but we just don't know what to do, right? right? Um, what would you say has been fellow mortals' biggest accomplishment so far? And then what do you hope to accomplish in the years to come? Well, probably the fact we're celebrating our 35th year this this year. Congratulations. Which That's is wonderful. not sure exactly how we got there. We're still <laughs> still improving, still expanding, still building our staff. And I would say that that's the biggest need now is you can have the most beautiful facility in the world. If you do not have people who know how to do the work within that facility, it's a waste. So my goal is to build an endowment fund so that we have the funds to guarantee the professional, experienced, dedicated people that we bring on to staff, that they have a future with the organization and that wildlife is going to be able to get help for decades to come in this part of Wisconsin. Mm. Well, so for all you animal lovers out there, listen closely now because Yvonne is going to tell us how we can help. So if there's somebody out there that wants to give, reach out, time, talents, resources, how would they do that? Well, if you just search um, for our website, Fellow Mortals Wildlife Hospital, there are pages that tell you about volunteer opportunities coming up in the summer. Again, we, we don't use volunteers for animal care, but we do rely on volunteers for many other things. We also are in the process of finishing our critical care wing. There's still opportunities to sponsor rooms there that we'll be giving back as a living legacy for years and years and years to come for thousands of animals and the people who care about them. Uh, as I said, we're also working on building an endowment fund so that we can make fellow mortals sustainable. And your your good thoughts are always appreciated. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today and for sharing your passion uh, for helping animals in need and your desire to educate people mm-hmm. you know on how they can compassionately care for them so thank you for being here today and thank you also to Kim Bannock from Wildlife in Need Center serving the Waukesha County area and beyond and also our young entrepreneur Bernou Vermeulen who is a great example of how one person can have an impact so thank you for being here today thank you very much Jill it was really a pleasure you're welcome. If you had, uh, would like further information about what we talked about today or you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about some great people and nonprofits that are doing great things in our community. Whether it's the animal kingdom or humanity, find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.